We're going to uh, continue going through Luke 1. Uh, last week, last week, you know, we, uh, we had, uh, what we saw was the announcement of John the Baptist's birth, right? We, that was the fulfillment of all the Old Testament uh, prophecies that had come. The time, was, uh, time had come for everything to be fulfilled. And today you're going to see something that's kind of similar but it's a whole lot different. You're going to see the announcement of, of Christ's birth. He's going to, the same angel, Angel Gabriel, if you were here with us last week, you know that it was the angel Gabriel that came to John the Baptist's parents and told him that uh, he was going to have a child and that uh, he was going to name him John. And, of course, what happened, Zechariah the priest didn't believe. Uh, he didn't believe what the angel said. He said, how do I know that this is going to happen and the angel, uh, Gabriel, on behalf of God's authority, rebuked him, made him silent until, until all these things are fulfilled. And he's going to continue to be silent until the baby's actually born. And we'll see that as we continue to go through Luke. But what we're going to learn today, as we look at this, we're going to see a whole lot of similarities with what we saw last week. But we're going to see a whole lot of differences as well. And really, I'm going to give you the takeaway right up front so you know where we're going, is that Today, what we're going to see is that we know that without faith, it's impossible to please God. I don't care what you do. I don't care who you are. I don't care what kind of things you got going on, what kind of service you got going on in your life. Without faith, it's impossible to please God. doesn't matter what you're doing or who you are. And you're going to see today the difference between a heart of faith is what we will see in Mary as she accepts what this this announcement of who uh, who this Messiah will be and what he'd come to do and her role in that and the difference between her heart of faith and the heart that Zechariah had when he kind of, you know, he was a believer, so to speak. He was waiting for the Messiah. Remember the text last week told us that he was righteous. He and his wife was righteous and blameless in, in, uh, in their ways before the Lord. But when the time came for the word of God to come to him, he doubted. He didn't believe, and the angel rebuked him for that. Well, you're not going to see that today in Mary. You're going to see a heart of belief. And what's astounding to me is that Mary doesn't have any reason to believe. Zechariah, before we saw last week, that Zechariah had every reason in the world to believe. I mean, if there's anybody that should have believed the word of God when it came to him for his specific purpose, for his specific need, for God's plan for him in his life, it should have been Zechariah, and he disbelieved. He didn't believe when, when the word of God came to him. But here you're going to see Mary did believe the word of God when it came to her. And what I want to show you, is, it's like four things I think I, I, think I found in the text that just kind of spoke to me. Um, is that we have faith. Faith in, in God is not just believing that he exists. It's faith in, in God's grace, understanding that by his grace, we are who he says we are. I mean, in grace, we've been saved, and that means we're accepted. You know, I may not be doing the best in the world. I may mess up tomorrow, may, mess up, may have messed up yesterday, but by grace, I believe who God says that I am. The second thing we're going to see, I'm kind of giving you all this all up front, because if I don't get to it, you'll know at least where I was going. Uh, the second thing is, uh, is faith in God's son. It's by his son that all this has come about for me. It's by his death, burial, resurrection. It's by the gospel, by, faith, by his son that all this is, uh, this is what we trust in. The, the third is that it's uh, faith in God's power. God is able to accomplish what he said he's going to accomplish. Now, for Mary, you're going to see that's going to entail 
the virgin conceiving and the Messiah, God himself being born to come and save uh, his people from his sins. You know, that, you know, probably more than likely God's not going to show up on your doorstep today and say, hey, you're going to give birth to this uh, Messiah. But he did that for Mary. But he has he has made you and me promises in the scripture. And we have those promises and we have faith that God is able. He is able to fulfill those promises. He is able to do what he said that he was going to do. And the last thing we're going to look at is faith in God's plan. Even if I don't have all the answers and I don't know how it's going to work out, I trust in him that he knows what he's doing and that he has my, he has my, my good at his heart because of the grace that he's bestowed upon me and because of the death that he died for me and because of who he said, who he said that he is. So let's pray and then we'll start. <clears throat> There's a lot of texts that we're going to look at today, so I'm going to try to talk fast and you guys listen fast and we'll get out in breakfast time. Father, we thank you. <clears throat> we love you today for all that you are, all that you've done, God. And we just want, we just want to, uh, to turn our hearts toward you. We want to put our faith in you uh, for all the, all the little things and the big things, God. We want to put our faith in you. We want to we see this heart of faith that you've given in your scripture for us to model after. And we want to see this Messiah that you have brought forth that has shed your love abroad in our hearts. We want to see this salvation, God, that you brought forth uh, from the womb of a virgin. God, your son, uh, uh, incarnate, holy and divine, who died on the cross for us, Father. Show us Jesus today. Give us a picture of it in our own hearts, and our own life. Uh, show us a picture of the gospel and how it changes us. And we thank you for that, and we love you in Jesus' name. Amen. All right, right off the bat, you're going to see some differences. Today, we're going to start in verse 26. Uh, we're, right off the bat, you're going to see some differences between Zechariah's encounter, where the angel came to Zechariah and said, you know, hey, you're going to have a son. His name's going to be John. He's going to show the people. He's going to prepare the people for the coming of the Lord. And you're going to see <clears throat> the difference. Really, there's some <clears throat> similarities and differences. Similarities are easy. I mean, you got an angel coming to folks, telling them they're going to have a baby. Uh, the differences are important. Because Zechariah, remember last week, he's, uh, he's in the temple. He's a priest of the temple. He's, he is working in God's house right up next to the veil. He wasn't on the other side of the veil, but he was right up next to the veil. This is all kind of review from last week. And I mean, he was in the, he was in the holy place. There was, if there was one place, it was full of gold and it's God's throne on earth. And it's just, this is where God's going to be. And he is going to be a priest, somebody who is steeped in the word. He is going to have every reason in the world to believe what this angel tells him. Believe what God's word has. I'm going to say what the angel tells him, but it's God's word coming through the angel. Of course, you, probably, you know that already. He's going to have every reason. I mean, his eyes actually see the messenger of the Lord. His ears hear the word of God from the messenger of the Lord. His mind knows that Abraham had, you know, was Sarah was barren and God provided for her. Uh, uh, Hannah was barren and God provided for her. He had historical background of knowing that this had been done before. God had done these things before and he had a heart that was trusting in God. It said that he was righteous. It said that he and his wife were blameless. There's absolutely no reason why Zechariah should not have believed what the Lord spoke to him. And on the other hand, what we're going to see today is there's no reason why Mary should believe. I mean, she's nobody. 
She's not, from a worldly standpoint, she's not important. She's a, probably a little teenage girl. She's from a backwater town that nobody's ever heard of. She's not in the center of political life or religious life. She's not where the temple is. She's not wealthy. She's not from a royal family or anything like that. She's, she's basically nobody. I mean, she's absolutely nobody, and the angel's going to come to her, and she has no reason. If you're looking at this from the outside, she has no reason in the world to believe what this angel's telling her, that you are chosen of God to bear the Messiah, and God has placed his grace upon you. There's no reason to believe it, but we're going to see that she does. She believes that God has, God's grace has made her who, who... He says that he has. She believes that God's son is going to be brought forth to save his people from their sins. She believes that God is able. She believes that God is able and she she believes she trusts herself to God's plan. She doesn't just believe it's going to happen. She surrenders herself. I'm getting way ahead of myself. But at the very beginning, verse 26, it says, And in the sixth month, the sixth month refers to Elizabeth's pregnancy. Uh, Remember, the, the last thing we read... Uh, it says that uh, Elizabeth became pregnant with John the Baptist and she hid herself away for five months. And in verse 26, it says, And in the sixth month, the angel Gabriel was sent from God unto a city of Galilee named Nazareth to a virgin, espoused to a man whose name was Joseph of the house of David. And the virgin's name was Mary. There was absolutely no reason in the world for, for uh, people to think that, th- that uh, this little girl in Nazareth, this backwater town, this would, this would be, uh, I don't know, it'd be, it would be the difference between Somerville and Memphis, I guess. I guess that might be a good comparison. There's no reason why this, this girl should believe what this angel is going to tell her. But that was God's plan. The Son of God was going to be born... Not out of a wealthy family, not out of a big, huge religious center of the world, right in the temple. He was going to be born nowhere. He was going to be born absolutely in obscurity. If I was the son of God, the eternal son of God who had existed forever and ever, and I had decided I was going to become a man and come to earth, the father's plan was that I, as the son, would come to earth and become a man, take the form of a servant. I can tell you what, I'm going to be born of the, the, top, the top echelon of men. I'm going, to be the, I'm going to be in the richest family. I'm going to be in the most powerful. I'm going to be, I'm going to be born from a family of, of kings, wealthy, you know, because I'm the king of kings and that's who I'm going to be. But that wasn't God's plan. God's plan was for Christ to humble himself, to take the form of a man. And it's amazing to me. He didn't just humble himself. He didn't just humble himself to become a man. He did do that. He humbled himself to become the lowest of all men. He became by the world standards, a nobody, an absolute nobody. You can see that throughout his life. The religious leaders, they disdained him. They mocked him. They tried everything to do to get rid of him. Even at his death on the cross, they were spitting on him and mocking him and humiliating him. He came not just to be a man, but to be the most obscure and nobody of men. He came and humbled himself to the farthest place you could possibly humble himself. And that started by the angel Gabriel going to announce the birth of the Messiah in this little town nowhere. We go from the temple right in the midst of God's presence in the temple where the angel's speaking to Zechariah and telling him, look, the, the forerunner that's going to announce the Messiah is coming forward to you from, from you and you're going to have a son. You're going to name him John all the way out to the middle of nowhere. 
and say, this is where the son of God's going to be born. That was his plan. And so Gabriel came to Mary and he says to a virgin, a spouse, we'll talk about the virgin thing in a minute. Uh, notice that he kind of, he kind of emphasizes it in verse 27. He mentions it twice to a virgin, a spouse, to a man whose name was Joseph of the house of David. And the virgin's name was Mary. He mentions it twice there being a spouse, uh, Probably is not what you're thinking. You might be thinking engaged, and that's probably about what it's like. But it was different for them because they would uh, they would go through a ceremony of espousal. That uh, being espoused, being betrothed to another meant that Mary's father had already promised Mary to Joseph. They had already gone through a ceremony that said that they were espoused together, they were betrothed, and she was, for all intents and purposes, his wife. It usually lasted about a year, and then at the end of that year, the bridegroom would come and get the bride, and they would have, you know, marriage feast, and she would move in with him. So we're in between the time between their espousal and their marriage, but make no mistake, at this time, even at this time, before they finally consummate, the marriage, if something were to happen, if she were to get with another man or whatever, it would be considered adultery. And in order to break that espousal, they would have to get a divorce. So it was almost, it was almost like marriage, but not quite like marriage. And so he came to this, this virgin, this probably don't know how old she was, probably between 13 and 17, right in there somewhere, this little girl in the middle of nowhere, he came to her and he says these words, verse 28, the angel came in unto her, And he said, Hail, thou art highly favored. The Lord is with thee. Blessed art thou among women. Hail, thou art highly favored. That word favored is the same word where we get the word grace from. So what he's talking about is not just, hey, you got some good favor. It means God has placed his grace upon you, his acceptance, his favor upon you. Now, think about this. You're basically now I keep saying she's a nobody. She's not a nobody in God's eyes. And we're going to see that. But from the worldly perspective, from if you were just out and you're a guy or a a lady there in Nazareth and you're looking at this little girl. I mean, she's really a nobody. She's absolutely nobody. She is. She's as, as lowly as you can be. She's not rich. She's not wealthy. She's not part of a great family or anything like that. And so this angel shows up and he says, hey, you who are highly favored, the Lord is with you. This, this highly favored means that God has placed his grace and acceptance upon her. This same word, in case if you, if you want to know, is used of all believers in Ephesians chapter 1 verse 6. This same word of being highly favored is used of all of us. So when he comes to her, he says, hey, you are highly favored with God. Hey, you know, hey, thou art highly favored. He says, the Lord is with thee. The Lord is with you, not because she's so great, not because she's sinless, not because she has got all this going for her, but because she has been a recipient of God's grace. It's as simple as that. God has placed his grace upon her. The Lord is with her, not because she is doing so good or she's better than everybody else. The Lord's with her because she has received his grace. And that same thing is said of you and I in Ephesians chapter 1, verse 6, that the Lord is with us, that we are favored in his eyes, not because of who we are, but because of the grace that he's bestowed upon us in Christ Jesus. Y'all with me? Everybody awake? Okay. All right. And it says, and, and uh, uh, the angel came to her, verse 29, and when she saw him, she was troubled at his saying and cast her mind to what manner of salutation this should be. Even she knew that this, this really doesn't make sense. I mean, think about it. She, the angel came to her and says, hey, you are highly favored and the Lord is with you to this teenage nobody in backwater town nowhere. 
It didn't even make sense to her. Are you talking to me? God is with me. God is God is favored me. Remember, we were living in a time where you had to work to earn God's favor. Or so they thought you had to sacrifice all the right things. You had to do all the festivals, all the feasts, all the things you had to do all these things. And all of a sudden here is you on the one hand, you got Zechariah who's right in the temple of God, right before the veil. And he comes, the angel comes and says, hey, uh, God has chosen you to bear the forerunner and Zechariah disbelieves. And then you got this little girl in the middle of nowhere with absolutely no kind of credentials, without absolutely no kind of credit to her name. And as Gabriel comes and says, hey, the Lord has placed his favor upon you. And she said, it says, she says, I don't even understand what that means. It's troubling her. What, what does this greeting even mean? That what, what manner of salutation is this that the Lord has favored me? It's amazing grace. You know, sometimes we have a, we have a problem sometimes walking in the grace that God's given us. It's easy to fall back and say, you know what? I, I'm just not who God says I am. I mean, I, I, when, I, when I go out and I mess up or when I go and I, I fall into some sin or I do something dumb, it's hard to walk in God's grace. I think I've got to make up for it. I think I've got to do something to earn God's favor. I think I have to be a certain way and live a certain way in order to earn what God, God's favor, God's relationship. I have to do that. And the reality is the only way that we are in favor, if you want to use that word with God, the only way that we are in relationship with God is simply by his grace and his grace alone. None of us deserve it. We don't. There's nothing we can do to merit it. There's nothing we can do to keep it. There's nothing we can do whatsoever to be part of God's uh, be part of the relationship with God other than to accept this grace. And so he comes to her and he says, hey, you are favored of God. And by the way, you are blessed above all women because she's been, she don't know it yet, but she's been chosen to bear the Messiah, to bear the son of God. And she it kind of scares her. I don't know about you, but. It would kind of scare me too. Well, it definitely scare me if he said I was going to give birth to a son. But it, 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 scared, it scared her a little that this angel showed up and says, hey, God has favored you. And she's like, who, me? She understands her lowly state. She understands that she's not worthy. But she's going to accept this calling as we see, as we see. She has, we're going to see this at the end of the deal where it says that Mary actually believed the things that were spoken to her. Uh, but here, uh, just understand, she, she had faith in the grace of God. She understood, by the end of this session, you're going to see it, but she understood that she stood alone in God's grace with nothing else to her name, and she accepted that that grace was enough. And the second thing she has faith in, that we are to have faith in, is God's Son. I mean, and that's simple. That's simple. We understand the gospel, but she had faith in God's she had faith that God's son is going to be who he says he's going to be. And for us to enter into that grace, to enter into relationship with God, to be that highly favored person of God, you'll hear that word all over TV when you listen to TV preachers and all that about being highly favored and all those kind of things. Well, the only way to be highly favored is if you are in Jesus Christ. And if you are in Jesus Christ, you are highly favored. There's no, there's no working your way up toward the favor ladder of God or anything like that. If you're in the gospel, you are in relationship with God. And so we are trusting, we are believing, we're believing in God's son. And that's what this angel is going to tell her. He's going to say, Mary, angel said to her, fear not, Mary, for thou hast found favor with God. That's where we were talking about that just moments ago. 
favor with God, grace with God. And behold, thou shalt conceive in thy womb and bring forth a son, and thou shalt call his name Jesus. Now, for us, we know the story. It's really old news, isn't it? I mean, for us, probably I shouldn't even be preaching it on in March. I should be waiting until December to preach it. But for us, it it's just we know the story. Yeah, okay, I don't even know how you're going to preach where it's going to apply to me about Mary and the baby and the manger and all those kind of things. It's just old news. We've heard it since we were little kids. We've grown up knowing this deal. And now that, you know, especially now that we're saved, we know the story. You need to get to, you need to get to something that's really going to apply to my life. But understand that what Mary would be hearing all of their lives, they had grown up knowing that God had made promises God had made promises of a deliverer who would come. God had made promises that one day the oppression of, of, uh, of slavery, the, the oppression of sin, the, the things that plague mankind, the curse would be lifted and there would be a deliverer come to save them from their sins. All of this time they had been waiting. If you were here last week, we talked about God had been, you know, uh, I, I, it's probably not the right way to put it, but in their, view, in their eyes, God had been silent for 400 years. There were no prophets. There were no anybody. You know, all they had for 400 years was just silence. And then all of a sudden, Gabriel breaks through into the temple and speaks again to John. And what Mary's hearing is, hey, little little teenage Mary in backwater town nowhere, I'm choosing you to bring forth salvation, to bring forth all of these promises that the prophets have foretold all this time. Imagine how unbelievable that would be. Who, me? Are you kidding it would be absolutely unbelievable. This is, this, is, this is the fulfillment of everything that you read from Genesis all the way to Malachi. This would be their Old Testament. Everything in that points to this Messiah that's coming, points to this salvation that's coming. And this little girl from this nowhere town don't have any status, any standing, any credit, anything that she could do, uh, anything that she could say would be padding her resume She has been highly favored of God and chosen to bring forth a son and she's given his name and his name will be. You're going to name him Jesus, which means the Lord is salvation. That's what Jesus means. Yahweh is salvation. And so he's he's given this calling, this calling to bring forth. He's going to bring forth a son. And not only is he just telling her the name, he's going to tell her, tell her who Jesus is. Now, pay attention. This is very important. Because you and I need to know who this Jesus is. Remember last week or the week before, we talked about the real Jesus, the real Jesus. You got to have you, you got to have the real Jesus or you don't have any Jesus. This Jesus we make up in our own mind is not one that saves us from our sins. If you say, well, I, I love Jesus, really, but, you know, I don't really I don't really follow his commands. I don't really live after him. I, that you don't serve Jesus. You serve a, a something in your mind that you call Jesus, and that's not going to save you from your sins. You need to know the real Jesus. Well, he's going to explain who this real Jesus is. He says, and behold, thou shalt conceive, and you'll call his name Jesus. Verse 32 describes who this Jesus is. He shall be great, period. I mean, it's a comma there, but... Before, remember he told uh, Zechariah, John, you're going to name him John, and he shall be great before the Lord. That's what it said about John the Baptist. Well, Jesus is just going to be great because of who he is. 
not great before the Lord. He will be the Lord. It says, and he shall be called the son of the highest, the son of the most high because of who he is. Now you need to understand what he's saying right here. The Lord God shall give him the throne of his father, David. This Jesus that's going to be born is going to be both God himself and man. He's going to be God. He's not half God and half man. He's 100% God, 100% man. He is going to have a human nature as of being born of Mary, a real human nature. That means real human needs. He's going to be hungry. He's going to be thirsty. He's going to be tired. He's going to feel pain. He's going to have all the things that you and I have. He's going to suffer. He's going to be tempted. He's going to have all of that, but yet he will be the very son of God in his nature. He will be divine. He will be the eternal son of God. And that's important. I know you think, you know, well, well, I got it. You know, you need to move on. But that's important for you to understand because without Jesus being both God and man, there is no gospel. Do you understand that? Because there has to be a perfect sacrifice. Only God is worthy enough to offer sacrifice for your sins and my sins, for the sins of all of us. None of us can do it. I can't pay for your sins. I've got my own sins to pay for. You can't pay for my sins. You've got your own. When the, if you go back to the Old Testament, the temple priests, when they came on the Day of Atonement, they didn't just walk in with a lamb and start sacrificing it for the people. They had to stop at the altar. They had to sacrifice for their own sins first, cleanse themselves, and then go into the Holy of Holies and sacrifice for the people. You and I, we can't, we can't pay for our sins or each other's sins. It had to be God himself. But in order to stand in my place, he had to be man as well. He had to be absolutely man. He can't be, he can't be half, half man, you know, not really, not really, you know, he was kind of looked like a man, but he, he, he didn't really have all the inner workings of a man. He didn't really have the pain and the, and the, and the, the, the hunger and the thirst and the needs of, of, of men, you know, like that. He could not stand in your place unless he was all man. And so notice he didn't come to redeem angels. He wasn't, he wasn't all God and all angel. He was all God, took the form of a servant, became a man. He says he's going to be the son of the highest. He's going to be the son of God. He's going to be God incarnate. That's important. That's absolutely important for you to understand. He was God. Absolutely God, the son, the second person of the Trinity, eternally in the heavens forever and ever in eternity past. He chose to take the form of a man, to become a man, to take upon himself a human nature and become like you and I. Humble himself unto death. And so this son of God would come. He says he's going to reign. He's going to be king of kings. King of kings and Lord of lords, he's going, to, he's going to be the ruler of the universe. God is going to give him the throne of his father, David. This is the promise that was made to David. God is going to fulfill his promise. Now, if you're like me, you're probably thinking, yeah, okay, I mean, I kind of believe you, but it just don't seem like that's really feasible, does it? That's kind of where Zechariah was, isn't it? And so it says, he shall be great, called the son of the highest. And uh, he shall give uh, God, the Lord shall give unto him the throne of his father, David. He shall reign over the house of Jacob forever and of his kingdom. There shall be no end. Incidentally, when it says forever, that means forever. He's going to reign forever. That means today. Where is he? He's reigning. 
He's reigning over the house of Jacob. He's reigning over us. He's reigning over Abraham's seed, which is all those that are in Christ. He's reigning over this kingdom. And now, verse 34 is really where we find ourselves. Mary said to the angel, How shall this be, seeing I know not a man? And the angel, verse 35, 36, we're going to talk about that in a minute. The angel answered her. Now, remember what Zechariah did? Now, Zechariah asked a question, and the angel didn't answer him. He rebuked him, and he made him silent, said, you know, you're not going to be able to speak. Well, since you doubted the word, you're going to, you're going to be mute until the baby's born. He doesn't do that here. Mary asked this question out of a heart of faith. Remember what Zechariah's question was? You can go back and look at it uh, when you get home. Zechariah's question wasn't, how is this going to happen? His question was, if you go back and look at the text, it says, how will I know that it's going to happen? His question was, his question was from unbelief. It wasn't, you know, I, I, just tell me how this is going to work. His question is, how am I supposed to believe what you're saying? It was a question from a heart of doubt. It wasn't a question from a heart of faith, as we're going to see. It's going to explicitly tell us in verse 45 that Mary believed. Mary believed the word that was spoken to her. And so this question that she asked, I understand what you're saying, but how is this going to be? Because I'm I'm a virgin. I've never known a man. How am I going to have a child? Um, Let me tell you, God can handle your questions. God can handle your questions, but there's something that you need to know. When we first started in Luke, it said Luke's purpose was to give you certainty. Remember, we talked about certainty over and over again. But there is no certainty that that doesn't stem from faith. Let me put that another way. Faith comes first and then certainty and understanding. Don't we want it backwards? We want it back. We want look, God, you show me. Show me that it's true. Show me how it's going to work. Show me that, you know, show me the plan. Show me that it's all going to work out. And once that I know for a fact that everything's going to be okay, I'll believe it. That's not how it works. That's not how God works. Without faith, it's impossible to please God is what it says. First comes faith. I believe you. I'm going to trust you. I'm going to surrender myself to you. That's what we're going to see here in a moment. Uh, Mary's going to surrender herself to God. She's going to say, you know, I believe you and you just do whatever it is that you do. And I'm with you. I'm serving of you. And then understanding comes. Then certainty comes. Then God's purposes are revealed. Of course, not fully, but uh, they're going to be revealed to her. So this this question she asks is not a bad thing. It's not a bad thing to say, God, how is this going to happen? I mean, I, I, I understand. I believe what you're saying. I believe what you have said to me. But let's face it. Virgins don't have babies. I mean, okay? Virgins don't have babies. If you were Zechariah, you had some precedent. You know, you had seen, you knew in the Old Testament, God had brought forth a baby from a barren womb. He bought, brought forth from Sarah. He brought forth from Hannah. He brought forth from Rebecca. All these women were barren and God did a miracle and they had babies. But you never, ever have seen anything about a virgin having a baby. I mean, that just, that just doesn't happen. And so she says, okay, I believe you, but how is this going to happen? And this is what the angel responded. This is what we're talking about, faith in God's power. He's able to do what he said. It says, And the angel answered and said unto her, The Holy Ghost shall come upon thee, and the power, this is God's power, faith in God's power, the power of the highest, it shall overshadow thee. 
Therefore also that the holy thing which shall be born of thee shall be called the Son of God. Understand, he says, the Holy Spirit is going to overshadow you. The Holy Spirit is going to come over you and it will, I say it, he will conceive in you the Son of God. And so she has to trust that this is going, the virgin birth is something that, it, I mean, it's hard to believe. We know it. To, virgins don't have babies. I don't know if I, that's not be newsy. Virgins don't have babies. So you can understand where her, her, okay, I, I got it, but I just don't see how that's possible. And he tells her that the power of God, the power of God, the Holy Spirit of God is going to conceive in her this child. And this child, because it is born of God and born of Mary, it's going, he is going to be the son of God. Now, I, I need to tell you this too. I probably thought, I, I thought about doing two or three sermons on this deal the virgin birth, being born of a virgin, is absolutely necessary for the gospel. It's absolutely necessary. You may not understand why, but understand this. Is we, you go all the way back to Genesis and uh, you have Adam and Eve and you know the story. They ate of the forbidden fruit and the God cursed the, the creation because of them. They were cast out and God made a promise saying the seed of the woman is going to come. And that is Jesus who fulfilled that promise. The seed of the woman is going to come and, and Adam passed this curse down. He passed this curse down to his sons and to their sons. And if you follow the line through Genesis, you can see this curse moving and this sin in people's hearts moving from generation to generation to generation. And that curse would always be passed down. But by the fact that Jesus was born of a virgin, he did not inherit the curse of Adam like you and I did. He didn't inherit that thing that makes us sinners on the inside. That thing that makes us throw our baby bottle down when we're one or two years old and say, no, I'm not going to do that. He didn't inherit that sin. He was perfect because he did not have the chains of the curse of Adam on him. He was the seed of the woman that was prophesied in Genesis chapter 3 that would come and would crush the serpent's head and the serpent would bruise his heel. This is how he is the seed of the woman, not the seed. Usually when in the Bible, when they talk about a seed, it's talking about a man's seed. And, you know, if you need that explanation, I'll do that after the service. But uh, here it says the seed of a woman will come and crush the serpent's head. This is how Jesus is able to stand in our place. Because he had no sin of his own to pay for. So by paying for sin, he was paying for all the sin of those who would trust in him. There is no gospel where there is no virgin birth. If Jesus was not born from a virgin of the Holy Spirit and of the Virgin Mary, there is no way he could have stood in for you. There's no way he could have stood in for me. So without this truth, there is no gospel. And so he says the angel... The angel says the Holy Spirit is going to uh, overshadow you and he's going to you're going to bring forth a son. He's going to be the son of God. And uh, verse 36 and 37, let me speed up so we can get done. This is the point that he makes. Uh, he gives Mary a sign, even though Mary hadn't asked for a sign. All she said was, how is this going to happen? Because I, I don't know a man. I've never known a man. You know, I'm a virgin. I, that's kind of unheard of. He says, the Holy Spirit is going to overshadow you and you're going to conceive. 
And just just to let her know that this is how it's going to happen. Verse 36, he gives her a sign. He says, and behold, thy cousin Elizabeth, that's who we talked about last week. She also conceived a son in her old age. And this is the sixth month with her who was called barren. And here is how for with God, nothing shall be impossible. With God, nothing shall be impossible. He says, look, your cousin, Elizabeth, who was barren, who, did, who was unable to have a children, is now in her sixth month of pregnancy. So you need to understand that it is God who controls the womb. He can bring life out of a desolate womb like Elizabeth's. So therefore, you don't need to doubt any of this because nothing is impossible with God. Nothing is impossible. It's amazing to me how we as believers, you know, I'm looking around. Y'all are all here uh, as believers. We believe in these things. We believe in the resurrection. We believe that Jesus died for our sins. We believe in all of these things that are, <clears throat> let's face it, kind of unbelievable. If it had not been for the drawing of the Holy Spirit, if it had not been for the heart of faith that is changed and from a stony heart to a fleshly heart, it's pretty unbelievable. It's pretty outrageous stuff. And we believe this. We truly trust in the fact that I'm going to be raised from the dead because I've trusted in Jesus. We truly believe that there will be a new heavens and a new earth. But sometimes the little stuff is what gives us the big speed bump where we can't get over. You know, I believe that God's going to raise me from the dead, but I just have a problem believing that he can get me out of the trial that I'm in or he can grow me through the trial that I'm in. I believe that God is going to remake heaven and earth. But man, I just can't believe him for you know, to get me through the circumstances of my life. Doesn't that sound kind of, it's kind of, kind of dumb. I mean, I try not to use the word dumb, but it is kind of dumb. It's dumb in my life when it happens, because I'm telling you, I trust in Jesus. I trust that I am going to see uh, him when I die. I'm going to see all those that have gone before me and live eternally with him. But man, when something happens in my life, it's like, oh Lord, how are you going to get me out of this? What am I going to do now? And it's, it doesn't make much sense. You're believing for the huge thing that's absolutely impossible. But here, this little bitty thing compared to, I mean, compared to being raised from the dead, let's face it, what you're going through is it's a little bitty, bitty thing. It's not a big thing. Nothing is impossible with God. If God can raise you from the dead, if God can pay for your sin, if he can take your stony heart out, which is a miracle in itself, and remake you, recreate you into a God lover, a one who serves God, one who has a desire for God, there's absolutely nothing that he can't do. There is absolutely nothing that he's not able to do. So the angel was telling Mary, Mary, you have faith in God's power. Nothing is impossible with him. You have faith in his grace that you are who he says you are, a highly favored one. Remember, it said that of all believers, Ephesians 1, 6. He says, you have faith in the Jesus, the true Jesus, God's son, who is going to be brought forth from you. And now he's saying, you have faith in God's power. Nothing is impossible for him. He, is go- he has a purpose for you. Granted, your purpose is probably not the same as Mary's, but he has a purpose for you. And nothing is going to thwart that purpose. Nothing in heaven and earth. Today in our Sunday school class, uh, we're, we're going through Genesis and we're do- talking about Abraham. Today we're going to see uh, the, that Abraham is going to do something really stupid. And God is going to have to come in and step in and fix it. 
Because God made a promise to Abraham and come hell or high water, doesn't matter what sin, what stupidity, what enemy faces, that promise is going to be fulfilled because he's not going to make God a liar. And so God is going to fulfill the word in your life if it's written. If it's written in the scriptures, it will come to pass. It may not be on your time schedule. It may not be the way that you want it, but it's going to be fulfilled perfectly in its time. Nothing is impossible with God. And so moving on, we got to hurry up. Um, The last thing is, is she has faith in God's plan. Don't have all the answers. She doesn't understand it all. He told her the Holy Spirit's going to overshadow you. You're going to have a baby. I don't know about you, but I'd have some more questions. Okay, uh, what does overshadow mean? You know, is this, uh, I have all kind of questions. She doesn't understand it all. She doesn't understand how she's going to get through it. I mean, today, I mean, we're thinking about today. Think about back then, you know, a teenage girl, a spouse to a man means legally they're married, although they haven't consummated and they're not living together yet. But they're in the process of that marriage being being fulfilled. Uh, and all of a sudden she turns up pregnant. What do you think? What do you think people are going to think? And you're going to see it later on. Joseph almost divorces her. You know, he's not going to divorce her. He's going to kind of put her away quietly just to kind of save her from shame. And, you know, there was all she would be ostracized. All these things would be going through her mind. How am I going to get through all this? How am I going to do it? I mean, I understand that it's possible. I understand God's going to do it. I understand it's God's will for me. I understand that it's God's power that's going to do it. But how am I going to survive? How am I going to make it through all the trials that this is going to cause in my life? In verse uh, 38, she says, And Mary said, now listen to this, Behold the handmaid of the Lord. She's saying servant. Uh, Handmaid, the word means female servant. She says, behold, here I am, the servant of the Lord, be it unto me according to thy word. And the angel departed. Now imagine, look at what she's saying. She's saying, even though she doesn't really have a a, a firm grasp of how everything's going to work, the angels told her, you know what? God has placed his grace upon you. God is going to bring his son from you. God has the power to do this in your life. God, nothing's impossible for him. He's calling you. And she says, here I am. Let it be done to me. I don't understand how it's going to work. I don't understand what all I'm going to have to go through. I don't even think she understood. I mean, think about, she didn't even understand all the the suffering that it would cause. Not just, I mean, we got the suffering of having a baby. You know, you got suffering of being pregnant and having a baby. And then you got the stigma of, of while you're pregnant and people not understanding. I mean, face it. Some, some girl walked up to you and said, Ooh, look, I'm pregnant from the Holy Ghost. What would you think? <laughs> okay. Yeah. Not to mention that, but she would raise this child who would become a man. And then he would go and teach and preach for three years. And then all of a sudden the entire world would turn on him. And she would have to suffer his death. She would have to suffer watching him being beaten for the world's sins, watching him being crucified and then see her. I mean, she was, she was going to live a life of suffering through all of this. And yet she says, not understanding how much she would have to go through, she says, you know what? I am the servant of the Lord. I'm the handmaid of the Lord. You just let it be unto me as you spoke. Whatever it is that your plan is, I'm in. That's faith. In Jesus. That's faith in God. That's faith in what God has. God's plan. God's purpose. He said, let it be done to me. Uh, Finally, let me just end up. 
She didn't understand all of it. She surrendered herself. Do you see that? Faith is not just, yes, I believe there's a Jesus and I believe he died. She surrendered herself. She said, I am the servant of the Lord. She says, let it happen to me as you said. I'm giving you me. I'm giving you myself. I belong to you. That's what faith in Christ looks like. That's that's what faith, that's what being a Christian looks like. You are a Christian. You are a Christ follower. I give myself to you and you do with me whatever you will. If it means I have to go off to a foreign land, fine. If it means I have to go next door to the neighbor, fine. If it means I have to uh, take up my cross, which it does, and deny myself, fine. If it means I have to uh, suck it up when trial comes and continue to serve you, fine. Whatever your will is for me, that's what I'm going to do. It's not my will, it's yours. My life belongs to you. That's the difference between somebody who just walks around saying, you know, I'm a Christian. Yeah, I believe in Jesus. I got the green sign in my yard. And someone who actually serves Christ, actually believes in Christ, actually has been saved. They give themselves. They have a heart that has been changed and it wants nothing more by the grace of God and the Holy Spirit of God, nothing more than to serve him in whatever capacity that he has ordained that I serve him in. She is giving herself to him and saying, look, I don't understand all this, but you just let it be done to me just as you, as you, as you said. And so finally, I'm going to just read these last few verses and we'll just go. It says, and Mary arose in those days and went to the hill country with haste in the city of Judea. She's going to see Elizabeth and entered into the house of Zacharias and saluted Elizabeth. Now look how God, the Holy Spirit, confirms what he has told. And it came to pass that when Elizabeth heard the salutation of Mary, the babe leaped in her womb. Mary said, hey, and when Elizabeth, I don't know what she said, but she greeted Elizabeth And when she greeted Elizabeth, John the Baptist, the baby in Elizabeth's womb, leaped. He, uh, he, the Holy Spirit, the Holy Spirit revealed to, I know it sounds weird, the baby, John the Baptist, that this was the mother. This was the mother of the Messiah, the mother of the one to come. It says, leaped in her womb and Elizabeth was filled with the Holy Ghost. This is not just Elizabeth speaking. This is the Holy Ghost through Elizabeth. And, And she spoke out of a loud voice with a loud voice and said, blessed art thou among women and blessed is the fruit of thy womb. Talking about the baby inside her. And whence it is this to me that the mother of my Lord should come to me. She, the Holy Spirit, not only came, Gabriel told her the word of God. This is what's going to happen. Now the Holy Spirit has confirmed the word through Elizabeth by saying, hey, you're the mother of not just a baby, not just this, uh, this, this, you know, a cousin of mine, not just part of our family, but you're the mother of my Lord. The Lord is going to be born from you. And so this is confirmation. The Holy Spirit is confirming this in Mary's, in Mary's sight. And so it says, for lo, as soon, this is how she knows, for lo, as soon as the voice of the salutation sounded in my ears, the babe leaped in my womb for joy. The baby in the womb had joy because of the voice that it heard, the mother of the Lord. The baby in the womb, John. And then last verse, it says, And blessed is she, this is still the Holy Spirit speaking through Elizabeth, blessed is she 
that, what did she do? She believed. She believed. That's how we know Mary's, Mary's heart was full of faith as she spoke, as Gabriel spoke to her. Blessed is, the, is she that believed, for there shall be a performance of those things which were told her from the Lord. It will happen, just like it has been told to us. When it's all said and done, the whole thing you should take away from, I know it's probably, yeah, I'm a little over. The whole thing you should take from this huge story is it is all by faith. Without faith, it's impossible to please God. Go searching for answers. Go searching for answers to all your questions about all kind of things, and you will find some answers. But you will never have certainty without faith. You'll never have power without faith. You will never please God without faith. And in this instance, you see, it was faith in the grace of God that, he, that you are who he says you are by grace. She believed it. It's faith in the Son of God that he saved us and he is who he said he is. Faith in the power that he is able to do what he said he was going to do. And then surrendering yourself in faith to the plan. Let it be unto me just as you have said. Can you say that? today? Can you say, you know, I don't understand it all. I don't know what I'm supposed to do. I don't know really anything about anything. All I know is that I'm trusting in Jesus. I need my sins removed. I need, I need to stop thinking my works are earning anything for me. And I'm just going to trust myself to you. And whatever it is that you have for me, that's what I'm going to do. I'm going to live in service to you. I'm going to give myself to you. I'm going to, I'm going to sign over the title deed of my life to you. Understand, that's what being... I'm not telling you what us super Christians do. I'm telling you what plain old Christians do. That's definitional of being a Christ follower. My life does not belong to me anymore. It belongs to Christ. Can you say that? Does your life belong to Christ? Let's pray. Father, we love you. We thank you today. Thank you for your word. Thank you for what you've given us, Lord, in this 